0: Hmm?
1: Ah. this is the good omens podcast on tv podcast industries in association with podcastica this time we're talking about season two chapter five the ball
0: he's never hosted a meeting ever why the change of heart he's unpredictable he's discovered his civic obligations Uh, you've been together long you and your partner
2: I don't know it's not like it's not like that
0: it certainly looks like that from here well so you've just recently hooked up no you, you you've got a husband or a boyfriend is the bookseller a your bit on the side
2: He's not one bit on the side it's far too pure of heart to be anybody's bit on the side he's just an angel I know
0: you say so and then again other people's love lives all seem so much more straightforward than our own
1: Welcome back, fellow angels and demons, to the Good Omens podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Season 2, Chapter 5, the penultimate episode, The Ball. I'm one of your hosts, Derek, and I'm joined, as always, by my ineffable fiancé, John.
2: Hello there, fellow acolytes, angels, and demons. Yes, uh, great to be back for The Ball.
1: Absolutely. I'm a seamstress. (laughs) I'm a seamstress. Well. Why can't I just say, I'm a seamstress?
2: (laughs) excellent stuff. brilliant brilliant joke yes
1: <laughs> loved it uh, yeah we may need to
2: discuss things after this uh, podcast if you're a seamstress
1: <laughs> oh that's true yes i probably should have told you that i'm a seamstress <laughs> ah. <laughs> anyway yes uh, time to get into our discussion about the penultimate episode of good omens five weeks in and five episodes in uh, to this uh, second season of good omens and uh, it's been a lot of fun
2: Exactly. Uh, For anyone just joining or for anyone who comes a little later in the day to Good Omens, Mm -hmm. uh, you can, of course, subscribe to the podcast over at tvpodcastindustries.com. And, of course, uh, we are over on the old socials, Twitter, or as it's now known as the Death Star, Uh, we are (laughs) at tvpodindustries, our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Industries. And of course, uh, you can get in contact with us by email through feedback at tvpodcastindustries dot com for anything to do with any of the podcasts that we're covering or in particular for good omens uh, any thoughts theories, comments, observations on what transpires in each and every episode.
1: Absolutely, we'd also love to hear your thoughts about the finale and the entirety of Season 2 of Good Omens, so uh, get us over there. Uh, we are also available on podcastica.com exclusively for Good Omens, so if you're only following us over there for Good Omens, make sure you do subscribe to the main feed on TV Podcast Industries, because we got loads of more stuff uh, coming up this year. Lots of stuff crossing over at the same time as other stuff as well, uh, as, we, as we go out to the rest of the year. So, uh, come join us for all the other stuff we'll be chatting about.
2: Yes, we are about to get into Ahsoka Mm -mm. as well, Star Wars Ahsoka, which does have a Mini little tie-in with Good Omens, strange as it may seem. Does
1: I got a big smile on my face when I saw that little connection. Uh, the episodes, Absolutely. the first two episodes, are out now uh, over on Disney Plus. So if you haven't checked those out, uh, check them out, and you should find our podcast on the first two episodes in TV Podcast Industries right about now.
2: Yes, and wheeling its way into view as well uh, from the start of September is our coverage of The Wheel of Time season two. What will our hunky Randy Rand, the titular hero of the mm. uh piece, what will he be doing in season two? We certainly have seen him with his shirt off. We have. Uh Looks That's- like he's being flayed, but nonetheless, uh he yeah. does have his shirt off.
1: That is in images from the show. It's not just that we've seen him with his shirt no, off. No, it's in the
2: trailer. Okay, okay. It's Good. akin to uh, <laughs> Geralt having a bath, I guess.
1: In The Witcher. Yes. Yes. Oh, they're different shows. <laughs> so many shows, so many shows. But Those let's get back shows. to good omens as well. Yes,
2: let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion. Derek, who gave us what, when, were, how, why, and whatever.
1: Well, it's a really easy one this time, as there's no mini sode, as you probably <gasps> noticed.
2: Torching pearls?
1: <laughs> yes, so really simply, uh, this episode was written for television by Neil Gaiman and John Finnamore. Uh, from uh, the original characters based on Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, and this episode once again directed by Douglas McKinnon. Good stuff. So, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your
2: synopsis for Good Omens Season 2, Chapter 5, The Ball? Sure. On the day of the Wickbur Street Traders and Shopkeepers Association monthly meeting, Aziraphale, with an increasingly impatient, bored and bemused Crowley tagging along, gathers together the local residents, offering rare and unique books to encourage everyone to join in. He uses a small miracle to transform the meeting into a Regency-style ball, hoping the Jane Austen-inspired atmosphere will get Maggie and Nina together. Meanwhile in Hell, Shax prepares to storm AC Fell's bookshop as she requisitions a legion of Hell's finest demons from further. The horde of 10,000 soon gets whittled down to a 1,000, a bit further down to 500 demons until an agreement lands on 100, which actually becomes 70. <laughs> as Shax tries to rally her mini-horde, she encounters an irritatingly inquisitive demon called Eric, who just keeps asking questions until he's vaporised to dust by Shax. Just as it couldn't get any worse, Shaxx learns that the big transporter up to Earth is out of action, and they must instead take the stairs. <laughs> Leaving Aziraphale to his tasks in advance of The Night to Remember, Crowley confronts Jim, short for James, short for Gabriel, about who he really is and what happened to him. He learns that Gabriel's mind and memories were first in a matchbox and then transferred to the cardboard box he was carrying when he arrived at Aziraphale's shop. As the humans dance, Shax arrives with 175th of a legion of demons and prepares to storm the bookshop but cannot cross the threshold, as they have not been invited in. Shaq threatens to kill all the humans in the shop unless they surrender Gabriel. Jim understands that it's him they want, and tries to surrender himself. But Aziraphale and Crowley's earlier miracle prevents the demons from recognising him, and they continue to threaten the bookshop and the humans inside. While Aziraphale protects the bookshop, Crowley evacuates most of the human guests then forces the human officer, Inspector Constable Muriel, to arrest him and bring him to heaven to put an end to all of the shenanigans. But will he succeed?
1: I guess we'll find that one out
2: in the finale. Exactly. Yeah. And Shanks did spot the elevator, sorry, the small transporter which she took. <laughs> uh, she did spot that heading upwards rather than downwards. Yes,
1: she did. Yes, she did. Uh, can Shax travel to heaven? Probably not. But, uh, Pro- well, if- but she may get on the grapevine.
2: Well, if Crowley can, she may be able to as well.
1: Yep, but that's all for next week. This time, we're going to talk about our major signs of the apocalypse, or our favorite moments uh, from this episode. We kick off right at the beginning with uh, Shaxx and her 10,000, I mean, um, 70 demons. (laughs) Yes. And Aziraphale and his street traders.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Two kind of uh, different ways of getting together groups here, I suppose. I They're kind of connected, aren't they?
2: Absolutely love this opening. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved how it just intertwined with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely adored Miranda Richardson in this episode. Yep. Um, she made me laugh, laugh, and laugh mm-hmm. so hard. I loved the whole, you know, ju- just the horde of demons with Furfur going from. 10,000 ultimately um, down to 100, yeah. but a few have dropped off now, and I can actually only give you 70. That's great. It was just yeah. absolute pure heaven. And good to have uh, Reese Shersuith back uh,
1: for this one. I thought it was all going to be about uh, the League of Gentlemen episode that's, that, that was his appearance last week. So good to have Firfer back here uh, in this episode as well. But uh, I love the incredulity from him when uh, when she says, I want 10,000 of your finest bloodthirsty demons. <laughs> he's like, hang on a second, I thought you said 10,000. <laughs> so it seems like hell doesn't actually get as many uh, as many demons into it as uh, as you would expect.
2: Um, it seems not. A lot less foot soldiers
1: uh, than you'd expect. Than you'd expect, exactly. Mm. And that's
2: what was so, you know, you just think of this infinite evil mm-hmm. um, and then you realize that there are resource constraints exactly. going on. And I just <laughs> love that. I, I just love how it normalizes sort of that, uh, the grandeur of heaven or the obscenity mm-hmm. of hell. Yeah. Um, it's just really, really good. I, I just loved how this interplayed then with a the zero fail trying to get all the traders to attend because half of them are, are bored of any of those meetings or have had really bad experiences. and I just Well, doesn't
1: the guy in the music shop says, I was at one of these meetings, monthly meeting, remember? I was at one of them 10 years ago where they talked about Christmas lights and never went back.
2: Exactly. And I'm guessing <laughs> so it may have been Nina because Nina is wanting <laughs> to bring up the Christmas lights on yep. the agenda as well. I loved how... You you know there's the great moment of, with the speaking fluent Mandarin mm-hmm. and then doing real kind of British French um, <laughs> That's with true. Crowley just looking on going why are you speaking like that you know you, yep. you are fluent in French
1: you know every language in the world like I do why can't you get French and it right? is yeah. that
2: kind of nod I I guess to things like Hello Hello where mm-hmm. it's just the French is hammed up uh, you know it is the regionalized english accent yeah. uh giving of speech just speaking in french with no french accent it's it's either
1: that or a commentary on the fact that it is basically your closest uh, neighbor to the UK, yes. uh, the foreign, foreign language-speaking neighbor, I suppose, uh, to the UK, and you still can't teach uh, students to speak it very well. I learned French in school as well. It's very similar type of French that as they speaking here. I kind of know it, but uh, and and when I speak it, people instantly ask me to speak in English. Uh, our friend Phil, who's been living in Paris for um, almost ten years now, isn't he? Eight, eight nine years now. Um, who people still recognise that he's from Yorkshire the minute he speaks in his French accent. Yeah. Um, so. but he is good in. <laughs> He's much better yes, at friends exactly. than I have.
2: But yes. Um, so I loved how this interplayed mm. between the two. And, you know, coming back to, to Shax who's trying to rally her sort of threadbare 70 demons. Mm-hmm. And she had this nice throwback to Monty Python with her being... Interrupted by the demon Eric, it
1: really does feel like a multi yeah. uh, gag, doesn't it? Just yeah. like,
2: well, this isn't really a horde <laughs> uh, or a legion. A legion. Yes. Um, you know, how many are in a legion? Mm-hmm. And then it's like we've heard that we might be facing angels you know mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff and, and that's that's
1: an old callback to when she talks to furfer She's, she says don't tell anybody we yeah. could have angels here uh don't tell anybody at all and then eric instantly says we were all told by furfer that we're going up against angels and
2: miranda richardson and the actor who plays uh, eric the demon just are so on point with mm-hmm. just their expressions how it so just the pitter patter of the two of them interacting mm-hmm. really good you just you just sense shacks getting more and more irritated and then the big transporter for her 175th uh, horde of demons <laughs> um ultimately is out of action broken mm. down so they've got to take the stairs except for her who takes the small transporter. Absolutely. I, I, I love the reveal as she comes out of the
1: uh, of the uh, <laughs> uh, transporter on her own after all the rest of the demons have run up the stairs. <laughs> it's just a good, little, well, that's good little gag.
2: And the small transporter, uh, you know, comes out at the Dirty Donkey pub.
1: Just outside, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, it's part of it.
1: Oh, it is. Yes, it is. That's right. Uh, that's a good little, uh, good little touch there. I didn't catch that when you when, uh, when we saw the episode, though. Yeah. So Very I good.
2: love this because this is all prior to the opening credits, mm-hmm. and it really did for me just set the tone for for this episode. Yeah. Just the silliness of what Aziraphale is doing in terms of to try and get you know two modern ladies together. Uh, by hosting a Jane Austen-inspired ball mm-hmm. with Shaq's believing in her own grandiose plan mm-hmm. with the acceptance and the command of the knowing Beelzebub. Mm-hmm. And in the end, she's thwarted by, uh, yes, human resources, I guess. In, basically. In fur, fur. So yeah. I just loved this. I just thought it was silly yep. um, really and awesome. totally on
1: point. Yep. yep, really good. I just love... Her delivery of her line, um, like as if she's Sauron on top of the, uh, on top of uh, <laughs> Orthank, isn't it? Uh, in yeah. the Lord of the Rings, where he's commanding his army and she's commanding her army. Uh, of 69 um to uh to go and destroy a bookshop in london <laughs> you know well, it's uh, just it. the way yeah. she underlines how her big grandiose plan is you say and, and uh, well, it turns out it's a bookshop
2: exactly yeah. and certainly later on as well um you know for any of our listeners who are not so with blackadder uh the season two mm-hmm. to me she was just uh, channeling her inner Queenie, yes, uh, and, yes. as Queen Elizabeth the mm-hmm. First um, from Blackadder Two, and it was sublime. Yeah. I just love. I love her in Blackadder 2 as yes. Queenie, yep. um, and Just waiting for her to stomp her yeah. feet and asks for presents. Yeah. Exactly, uh,
1: good stuff. Yeah, great, great opening point there. Will we uh, talk about our second sign of the apocalypse a little bit more, um, connected to the overarching story of mm. Jim? So uh, Crowley confronts Jim. This is after he's had the discussion with Nina, where she points out that uh, that she believes that he and uh, Aziraphale are together, right?
2: Yes, they're an item, or yeah. uh, it's uh, Aziraphale as Crowley's bit on the side. Mm, he's
1: way too pure to be anyone's bit on the side, says so Crowley. I like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he goes in and confronts Gabriel about who he is, why he is this character of Jim that he's uh, had, that he's created. And the big reason why he's so angry at Gabriel and really doesn't like Gabriel at all is back to the end of the first season when Crowley was impersonating Aziraphale in heaven and there was the interaction between the two of them where Gabriel just wanted Aziraphale to shut his stupid face and die. Um, and now Aziraphale is going to risk his life for Gabriel because... Uh, Well, he, firstly, he wasn't there in heaven. It was Crowley that was there. So yes. he doesn't know the interaction between the two of them. But Aziraphale, of course, would
2: sacrifice himself. Um, well, that's Gabriel. it. I and mean, I mean, I really like actually how, you know, this is really where you see kind of Crowley's d- demon side, I think, in his interactions with Gabriel because he just does not like him. And it is only because of his relationship with mm-hmm. Aziraphale that he hasn't done anything and you see this kind of play out in miniature here as well in the sense that you know when Gabriel um, is confronted by Crowley who says he wasn't there to hear what you said mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't care for it you know point out he's actually now risking his entire existence for you but you have no idea so yeah. he, he wants to know more And this is where we learn about the Resurrectionist matchbox, Mm -hmm. that that held his memories, his mind, and then he thought it was in his box, unless it's that fly buzzing around, Mm -hmm. um, which somehow needs to kind of do something by crawling down his ear passage or something into his brain to give him back his memories. But he does say he's not able to contain... The information that he thinks he knows Mm. or should know, the all seeing, all knowing um archangel. Mm -hmm. And here Crowley is effectively about to ask him to jump out of the window. Yeah. Uh, And then he's kind of like no, and it ends up with okay, then I'll get you a hot chocolate. Yes. (laughs) You know? Um and (laughs) it's just it's kind of you know Crowley ultimately is being nice to Gabriel in the hot chocolate moment because mm. of his relationship with the And it's but it's just played out in in miniature here. And I yeah. really, really like that. Plus we as you say, we get a little bit more information mm-hmm. um about what's happened to Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, it's such a small, a small amount though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Such a small amount.
1: I do like the descriptor and again, you know, this is written by Neil Gaiman who's probably one of my favorite writers. He's got a very descriptive text about him. So, um I do like how Gabriel describes his how he feels. He feels like an empty house that remembers where the furniture should be but can't put it all back in the right place Uh, yeah so i thought that was quite that was quite a good uh, good descriptor but again we don't know why we don't know the reason behind it was god involved somehow um in banishing him was beelzebub involved in somehow getting rid of his of his memories you know or um is this old gabriel did gabriel decide to do this for some reason
2: well that's it he says it hurts to remember Mm. um i don't have my memories but then you know, we hear it's in the matchbox and then he put it in the box, but he he kinda says it's everywhere. Mm. Like it's escaped into the ether yeah. of the world, of the universe, mm. and he can't access it. Yeah. Um so it it's really kinda interesting. Yeah. Um, to be honest, because it, it does it almost sounds like I guess dementia in that sense, you know, it's Mm. like, well, I kind of know things, but I just can't place them in time and space. Yeah. Or, um, you know, and, or they come and they go. Like we've seen through this, um, through the series where he's gotten the purple eyes back. Yes. able to sort of communicate briefly before it kind yeah. of exhausts him
1: exactly it's like if he's able to focus on one specific piece of information and yeah. he's able to pull it out but if he tries to focus on everything that he knows his entire mind or his existence his his brain may explode and it's, tr- it's
2: been triggered yeah. you know yeah. so it like it's so well done mm-hmm. and it's really kind of just again that little very tiny bit of information exactly
1: and it was one of the complaints that we had Not really a complaint, but one of the things we'd mentioned, at least in the last couple of episodes, that you're kind of missing that thread a bit when they don't return to it and when we're not finding out much about how Gabriel got to this position here. But they have an opportunity in the next episode to really tell you that story of how Gabriel got here. But I'd even forgotten until you mentioned here that the big penalty for Aziraphale and Crowley for what they've done could be that they could be written out of the book of existence in both heaven and hell. That was the agreement that they've made for anybody who harbors Gabriel.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it'd be interesting to see how or if it's wrapped up mm-hmm. in this final episode coming up.
1: Mm. I don't think it will be, but anyway.
2: <laughs> no, I'm not too sure it will be either, because yeah. it does feel like we've kind of been brought along on the outskirts of everything that's been going on with Gabriel mm-hmm. in order to flesh out more Ziraphale and Crowley, yeah. which has been excellent and I've loved it, and There are rumours in the wind of the third uh, season outline having already been done, so... I guess it is leading to the third season.
1: You say Ruby's in the wind. Neil Gaiman says yeah. he's written the outline for the season. <laughs> he hasn't read many episodes because there's a writer strike going on. <laughs>
2: Look, half the time these days with getting screeners, mm-hmm. with so much stuff on the interweb, um, yeah. you know, it's like, well, what you say or what's hard fact and what's not. You yes. know, I mean, it's like the outline is there, mm-hmm. but it could be that Prime doesn't pick it up. Exactly. And yes, yeah. Neil Gaiman can shop around. Mm-hmm because that's the contract he had. But again, yep. so it's not certain. It's just there in the ether. Exactly. A bit like Gabriel's uh, memories.
1: Well, absolutely. Considering Prime just canceled two shows that were already confirmed for season two because of the writer <laughs> strikes and actor strikes. Uh, yeah. We just, aren't going to know until it's out there. We didn't think there was going to be a second season of this show. That is true. Um, So let's see what happens next week and let's see if we do get a third season uh, to follow it up. But yes, apparently the third season will follow much more closely the outline that Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman had worked on for a potential second book or a second season of the show, um, this was setting things up. So uh, so I don't expect to get uh, everything closed out in the next episode. Uh, but I think that's enough of Crowley uh, confronting Jim. We move on to our
2: third sign of the apocalypse this week. Yes, Nina and Maggie dance through their relationship. And all the other traders do as well. Can, well absolutely. Uh, can I just give a shout out here? Because I loved Mrs. Sandwich, the brothel owner. Here. Absolutely. Um, the what owner? I the seamstress. seamstress. Shop, sorry, yes. <laughs> yes the, the seamstress for the band of men uh, <laughs> out uh, lined up outside her uh, establishment. I loved um, her. She yeah. was fantastic. And I just loved... Her flirting with Crowley as he's taking all the humans out to safety. Mm -hmm. Um, I just really, really enjoyed her in this episode. I mean, even with her sort of raised eyebrows and and feigned indignation Mm -hmm. with Gabriel uh, whilst he, you know sort of does the not-so-subtle masturbation joke with, with Mrs. Sandwich, <laughs> with the owner of the magic shop, and his partner, mm-hmm. uh, where he's kind of saying, I learnt it in bed last night, so <laughs> let me show you. <laughs> yes. And so, yes. Great Never job. thought I'd be doing that on a podcast now, but nonetheless, <laughs> it is. it was just so good. This I thought is our audio expressions were great. absolutely... Yeah. Pitch perfect.
1: Yes. So let, let's bring it back slightly to what Azurafell yes. has done here. Sorry, so he's, I digress. Yes. It was a yeah, great <laughs> joke. That's why he wanted to get to it so quickly. Uh, but effectively, he set up a ball like a Jane Austen type ball because he's such a romantic. He <laughs> reads so many romantic novels that he thinks this is definitely the way to get Nina and Maggie together. But, of course, with doing that, he also wants to set up um, the people themselves to act in a way like they are out of Jane Austen novels. Absolutely. So this is why... Um, Mrs. Savage can't say that she a- is a sex worker. She has to say that she is a, a, seamstress. a
2: seamstress, and that's why it's all so politely done. Absolutely, um, it but is just, just even, so good.
1: Absolutely, even those even those little jokes about sometimes we uh, we fix up a person's pants, or uh, and occasionally we'll uh, fix Sound on someone a, a new button yeah. if that's what they want. Uh, great stuff uh, in there, but everybody is acting as if they're out of a, a Jane Austen novel. Everybody's really polite. They're all very posh, uh, sounding in comparison. Into uh, their normal the ways, turn to of phrase. Yes.
2: exactly. And it very eighteenth uh, century. Yes,
1: and as people pass through the threshold of the of the shop, a lot of them change outfits as well into more appropriate <laughs> yeah. gear for a ball, which I think was uh, I thought was quite fun. It's interesting; some characters didn't uh, change their outfits, some people did. Uh, yeah, that was quite interesting. I
2: just yeah. love as well to, to Nina and Maggie as they're dancing, mm-hmm. talk about it, and Nina. Nina is kind of the one that's mostly sort of off center with everything that's happening where it's it's like as they're dancing do you remember learning the steps to this (laughs) dance Uh, it's like this is bonkers it's supposed to be a traders meeting Mm. you know i just i love that um like she's kind of that one person that's just kind of got this slight bit of doubt in the back of her mind um and it, it was just really well done
1: yeah yeah and maggie is still her usual supportive self. She's still doing things that Maggie would do, but she's not questioning the situation quite as much as Nina. No. Um So we do see that a little bit later on uh, as we get to the final battle, I suppose, or the standoff uh, probably rather than battle is a better word. Um But yeah, Nina is kind of wondering what the hell is going on in here. She does seem very happy. And we learned that, that is part of uh, the charm, I guess, or the miracle, uh, the mini miracle that Zerefel has done here, that nobody can be unhappy at this ball. So you can't even think about it. You know, she, Nina has just come in from breaking up um, with her partner, or at least her partner broke up with her by text, Ugh. yeah, uh, or by chalkboard. Actually, if uh, if you saw it, the scene there, um, and she walks into the party and is uh, is suddenly quite happy and quite.
2: Well, she, but she says satisfied. again, says, it's I was like, angry a minute ago. She's off kilter. You know, she yeah. goes, I'm upset. But I don't feel upset, you mm. know, with what's just happened. Although she was, you know, forced to go in there by Crowley because he can see that something mm. is is happening, yes. something is feeling out, Being and as danger. all the fog um, and mist mm. uh, hangs heavy in the air, which I absolutely loved as well. Because absolutely. dare I say it, nineteenth-century London. I guess you think of you know pea supers coming in from the Thames. And that notion of Jack the Ripper, course, you know, yeah. gas lamps and all yeah. that, where it would all be a bit kind of spooky and eerie uh-huh. uh, with everything lit from gas lamps and so exactly, on. So exactly. that, that was a, a nice kind of uh, touch, I think.
1: Uh, Peace Super was definitely a phrase took me ages to learn. It's just fog rolling in, basically. Yeah. But well, it's because of it all the industry. So yes. it's
2: exacerbated by... It's not just simply mm. that it is a bad fog yep. coming in, rolling through the the estuary of the Mm. thames but it is that it's mixed in with all the soot uh, from the chimneys you can't see through
1: it like looking through pea soup yes yes yeah very hand of the baskervilles but i know that's on the moors so yes um, rolling fog through the city is definitely yeah yeah much more jack the ripper style london as well and yeah you're right that's how crowley pushes um nina to go into the into the bookshop yeah um when she's about to go home and drink a vat full of wine, um, to, to, uh, drown her sorrows. Uh, I do like a little touch there with Maggie, um, where Carly goes, uh, are you monthly meetings on now? And she goes, I never miss them. <laughs> and just walks across the <laughs> road. so no, no issues with getting her along to the party, but they do have a conversation while they're having the dance. And, um, Nina opens up about the fact that her partner just, just split up with her. Um, She says she's very hard work, and uh, Maggie says, well, I don't mind a bit of hard work. So there is a moment between the two of them now, um, finally. So maybe Aziraphale's plan might have worked if it hadn't been for the... um,
2: Pesky demons. Mini horde of demons. Yes, Yes. the mini horde of pesky demons, uh, which you you see kind of shuffling behind Maggie as she sort of races off to um, Aziraphale's shop. Um, Yeah, but I think, too... Our fourth sign of the apocalypse, yes. which is the demons assemble to please send out your angle or you are toast. T O S T E. T O S T E. Yeah. I, um, I mean, Xerophel yes. has given it absolutely a great opportunity, but it may actually work by the fact of the demons because, i mean, we'll come to. Uh, you know, the standoff that they have. But in the end, it is Nina and Maggie who choose to stay yes. behind in the shop to help their fellow trader, Zirafael. Mm. Yes, it is. Uh, but yes, this whole confrontation um, is just so good. I mean, as I say, I love them all shuffling in and the fog rolling in anyway as this sort of lovely, warm... Jane Austen esque uh, ball is happening in this bookshop. Then you get the paving flag thrown through the window uh-huh. with, uh, you know, send out your angle. <laughs> um, and I, I think as well, it's just, you know, you have Groly sort of just flippantly saying, yeah, they're not very good spellers. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think this is where Shax is just brilliant as she's, you know, cha- as I said, channeling her inner Queenie to me. Mm. Um, and she goes, well, if you don't send him out, you'll be toast as they misspell it. And so I really, with T-O-S-T-E, uh-huh. love that. Um, I also like the fact that their miracle to conceal Gabriel has really oh. put them between a rock and a hard place because Shax knows that he's there. From her deductions, mm-hmm. but Jim now realizes it's them that they want exactly, and so goes out in a beautiful Liberace-style sort of feathery overcoat, which also looks very angelic. Great bit of costume design; it's fantastic. It really, is Liberace though, isn't it? Oh, it it's, is it's absolutely exactly like some of the costumes. Um, used to wear. <laughs> and Shaxx can't tell that it's Gabriel, mm-hmm. uh, which is just. You know, perfect. Absolutely, I love John Ham here. Um, You know,
1: he doesn't. He's <laughs> yeah. there's a slight sadness about it as well, where he's kind of going. Um, he's willing to sacrifice himself because he knows it must be him. Yeah, that they want.
2: But Shanks is so dismissive. It's like you're not who we're looking for. Like, go back in.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Stop. Stop messing. Get inside. We want <laughs> Gabriel, not you. <laughs> and then poor
2: Mr. Brown follows up. I guess the former head of the association Mm -hmm. or the current head, certainly former now. um, Maybe. And, of course, just gets pulled out uh, as Shax is determining, well, is he over the threshold Mm -hmm. enough for Mm -hmm. us to, I mean... He's getting ripped up off camera. Well,
1: I guess. yeah. Interestingly, they do ask the question, is he okay? And, um, Crowley just kind of says, well, nothing good is happening to him. So, <laughs> well, that's uh, true. So it so might still be he alive. He may still be alive with a very traumatic experience uh, going
2: on. I do like the fact that, um, the demons also had on face masks. <laughs> uh, so we have Shaq saying, and those of you who are, who can't blend in will mm-hmm. be given masks, and you kind of feel, you know, it could be something the like a V for Vendetta type mask yeah. or something like that. But it's actually surgical masks, like you saw in COVID, exactly, um, which was yeah. hilarious.
1: Absolutely, since so filming took took place during around that, <laughs> during and around that time, I would presume uh, they had lots of them on oh, hand. and that's thought so good. It'd be a great joke. Um, but it is really funny when the when one of the demons takes off the surgical mask and you see <laughs> it's uh, it's tendrils um, dropping out from its mouth, you know, uh, certainly wouldn't be able to, uh, to pass as a human uh, in there, but, um. I don't think they ever really pass for humans, even the other ones that could. Because as they walk into Soho, as they walk up to A.G. Fell's um, bookshop, they do seem like a horde of zombies coming towards them. I think anybody that would see them in the darkness would run away.
2: Well, that's it. Like, I I actually, my mind was thrown back to the lady of the French restaurant, where she said, well, I can only stay till the 7th because then it gets busy. And I was just thinking of all her clientele sort of stuck in the French restaurant well, with exactly. all these demons And all the the fog rolling in. Um, But this was... Yeah, it was just that lovely kind of standoff here. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely, yeah. One of the things I did like about the standoff itself is it's caused by another lie from Crowley, (laughs) which I absolutely loved. Um, So we know Shax believes she can't cross the threshold of Fells because she stood outside. She didn't go in when she originally suspected that Gabriel was there. But here she is with her horde outside. Um, Aziraphale tells them you can't come in because this shop is considered like an embassy of heaven and she says well not anymore you're not technically an angel anymore he's not technically a demon so uh, this is no man's land we will definitely be able to break in and then Quick Thinking Crowley uses effectively the terms and conditions of a, a, a um, signed-off war, uh, saying that in these wars you can't actually have any uh, human casualties um, unless they were predetermined. So you have to give them an opportunity well, to get it. out of like, here.
2: <laughs> he just lists off the the, the articles, the paragraphs, subparagraph, mm-hmm. um, because he knows that Shaxx isn't going to make sure that he, they're right mm-hmm. or that he's right. Um, but well, we did I did see a contract that he got from God back in the Job episode. I no, exactly. we know how long those things are. Right? And but I, I just love how this kind of feeds into you know that kind of idea of the great bureaucracy. Mm-hmm, there's exactly. all these rules, you know, to get into heaven, to mm-hmm. get into hell, to get out of heaven, to get out of hell, to fall from heaven, whatever. It is. There's all so much rules, and you know, it's it's I think seen on X-ray. You know, nods to terry gillingham's brazil mm-hmm. which has that element to it you know this kind of and it's a huge you know a sci-fi sort of dystopian future where yeah. everything is so rule-bound i love that they bring this in uh-huh. uh, and that's in a sense what Crowley's playing off here exactly. it is this notion that there are so many rules just to do <laughs> anything in heaven and hell because they're kind of everything to do with existence you know in that sense I i just really really like that yeah so a good fun take definitely yeah anything else about the standoff No, I think, uh, as I say, as as Crowley's leading them out Mm -hmm. uh, in pairs, as I say, I think, again, Mrs. Sandwich and him just have a little flirt, which is really nice. Of course, of
1: course, great fun, great fun stuff. Uh, Our last side of the apocalypse, then, is Crowley going up to heaven at the end of the episode. Not a huge amount to say about this one, it's just how the episode ends, really. It's just with Crowley going up to Inspector Constable Muriel um, from heaven, who is uh, standing by, not doing anything at all, as a horde of, of demons from hell has arrived in Soho, um And she kind of is standing there uh, taking notes, effectively. Uh, well, and Cur- yeah, and yeah. Curly says to her, well, if you are a human police police person, you have to arrest me and you have to take me to heaven. So um, she does, which I guess is a loophole for a demon to go into heaven because Muriel doesn't really know what she can and can't do.
2: No, she exactly seems quickly. to go
1: very quickly with whatever anybody tells All
2: her. And Crowley says... Well, you're an angel. Mm-hmm. Like, he he tells her, because she's then... Yes. Well, am I being tricked? Are you tricking me? Because, you know, it is this sort of beautiful naivety about it. I mean, even mm-hmm. earlier in the episode, we see her up in heaven mm-hmm. with Uriel and the archangel Michael... Mm-hmm. And and, you know, they're asking how the investigation is going, and they are just so confused, and Muriel really isn't the best investigator. Um, but we, you, again, there's just that wonderful little dynamic between Uriel and Michael uh-huh. as well, just with the, they do have some person there, and it's like, does Zerophile have, yes, I know, Zerophile has a helper, and, and then Uriel's like, well, does he? I thought he was the bookseller. Mm-hmm. All this kind of stuff, and but again, I as, mean, the, as they try to piece together what yeah. happened with the miracle, effectively.
1: Uh, but yeah. I do like how that all starts with Muriel saying to them, um, "Well, I'm I'm observing the humans because you know what humans are like," and repeats the words exactly as Curly exactly. tells her, and Michael responds with, "Going well, of course, we all knew that, you yeah. know. So uh, none of them want to be caught out here and uh, by their ex- lack ex- of knowledge." Yeah, of humans. that whole
2: yeah. exchange as well, just to reiterate the the previous. Mm uh scene between Crowley and Gabriel mm-hmm. is starts being focused on the Resurrectionist Matchbox. Yes, that is still on there in heaven it and does, pulls uh, back. So again, just to flag that uh, yeah. to remind the audience, you mm-hmm. know, from I think it was episode one where they just found it. Yeah, that's how we, how we were introduced object. to uh, to Mew, um, yeah. yeah, and of course, all this shenanigans going on. uh by by Crowley with Muriel and you have Nina and Maggie staying behind in uh, the bookshop to what? help Aziraphale but Nina asking, you know can you not think for yourself why are you always letting him sort mm. of do stuff for you and Aziraphale, he says well, I do make plans uh, but allowing Crowley to help makes Crowley so happy exactly um, you know and so again I love how this show just Just these intimate moments, just sort of blended in with the bigger um, moments. You know, it's not like, here's our romantic bit, here's our action bit. You know, it's all just flow. It seems to flow so nicely. Absolutely. Um, And I just really loved it.
1: Yeah, really good, uh, really good moments there. I do like um, that Nina and Maggie Staying Behind uh, is, is called uh, Staying Behind to Die Bravely <laughs> because that's what, all that really is, is going to happen, right? Uh, how can you help uh, a an angel Little demon in a battle against uh, demons from hell? Uh, you can just die bravely. That's all you can do. Uh, good stuff. I think that's our major signs of the apocalypse. Any notes for the episode, John? Anything we haven't called out? There are a couple of little bits and pieces that happened uh, that we'd love to talk about as well.
2: Uh, yes, just to say that uh, Mr. Arnold, who owns the music. Shop mm-hmm. does end up getting his 1965 uh, proof copy Ooh, of yes. the Doctor Who Annual um, nice. as he is going out from the bookshop mm-hmm. led by Crowley uh, in their 2 by 2 Yes. Uh, also, I guess, very biblical. Uh, where, <laughs> but you see him holding on to that as uh-huh. well as seeing uh, the owner of the magic shop also with his copy of the book promised to him yep. by fail as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Nice, nice little nod there. Uh, Doctor Who is, of course, all over this series. Yes. Lots and lots of moments uh, that we've talked about with, uh, with Doctor Who references. Uh, in here, there's a great one, which I really enjoyed, which is uh, David Tennant um, as uh, Crowley picking up the Fez hat yes. in the joke shop, putting it on his head and admiring himself in the uh, crystal ball pretty much that's kind of one of Matt Smith's uh, Doctor Who's character traits wearing yes. a fez all the time but I know lots of the doctors have worn fezes in the past but uh, Matt Smith was the one that really came up with uh, with saying fezes are cool this is definitely a thing for me and then losing the fez in every episode so yeah. uh, same thing happens here to, uh, to David Tennis he puts it on and uh, loses it pretty quickly as AFL takes it off him. so uh, I like that touch uh, we mentioned Gabriel's um, Liberace inspired coat in yes. there uh, Mrs Sandwich is a seamstress uh, that's actually our reference for this episode to terry pratchett because terry pratchett used to use seamstress as a, a euphemism for sex work in, yes, uh, in, in the disc disc world levels, levels. Yeah. yeah yeah which i, I really like that they did that there as well and um, the jane austen style ball this is one that came to me after watching the episode john um don't know why it didn't come to me when i watched uh, when i watched it first but Fell and crowley talked all about jane austen back in episode two yes um and Crowley was really surprised about the fact that Jane Austen was a writer and used to hold loads of balls, effectively. He had no idea of this other side of her life because he thought he, she was just a super spy, yeah. <laughs> which is a, a great joke in itself. But Aziraphale Crowley had specifically talked about the balls she used to throw. So this time, Aziraphale is throwing a Jane Austen-style ball for um, well, to get the two lovers it, together. It's yeah.
2: interesting, isn't it? Hollywood did produce Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, Mm -hmm. a movie. Mm -hmm. I'm just there thinking, I'm absolutely convinced that Neil Gaiman could do a treatment of Jane Austen, Super Spy. Yes. As a movie, just because Neil Gaiman has this great way of taking well-known tales, Mm -hmm. um, fables, uh, bits of history, and just turning them... Inside out, upside down, Mm -hmm. morphing them into something familiar, similar, but different in terms of their context or how, you know, the background and all that. And you could just see... Uh, Jane Austen, super spy. Absolutely.
1: I wonder if we could see it on, on Doctor Who. You could have, um, yeah. have the, the next doctor, uh, Gucci going back to Jane Austen's time and running around with her as a super spy, you know, yeah. maybe Neil Gaiman's just setting that up could, uh, for, could <laughs> for the future as well. Um, they did also have Pride, Prejudice and Zombies, um, which I true. think starred Matt Smith in the movie adaptation. <laughs> yes, so, uh, lots of connections that. here. I thought that's what you were going for when you went for, uh, Abraham, Abraham Lincoln, a vampire hunter, but, uh, but there you go. That was a Jane Austen connection for me, uh, for, uh, for a horror movie. Uh, good stuff. Uh, any other notes? Anything else we need to talk about? Uh,
2: not from my side, nope. Good
1: stuff then overall, John. What did you think of episode five of Good Omens season two? The ball?
2: I absolutely loved this. I'd mm. give this 575 seventy-fifths of a legion out <laughs> of five. Um, Very good. Really, really... Just loved it. If someone Um,
1: does the maths on that, and comes up with less than five out of five.
2: No, it I've not worked anything (laughs) out around that. It's just because it's got a five on (laughs) it. Um, It it was just... This, to me, was probably one of the best episodes, Mm -hmm. uh, I think. Just because it was more focused on them Mm -hmm. for for one aspect. But the opening of having Shaxx doing her preparations for uh, storming the bookshop and Aziraphale doing his preparations... for the Wickbur Street Traders and Shopkeepers Association monthly meeting, mm-hmm. you know, getting that little bit of information from Gabriel—just all these little relationships were just so well done. I, the 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 ball, and um, just all the little parts, whether it's Missus Sandwich, whether it's Mister Arnold, mm-hmm. um, whoever it might be, so good. The confrontation, having you know, Crowley go off, you know, having been sort of just bitten by Nina where she asks uh, about, you know, what is his relationship with the fail mm-hmm. and, you know. Ah, she uh, doesn't even ask. She knows. She knows, but also <laughs> Crowley you, know, you, doesn't know. you see him, you know, you see him thinking about it mm-hmm. and, and it, it sort of, you know, coming to that point of going to Muriel in order to get himself taken up to heaven to yeah. stop what's going on, and yeah. or oh, what I think he's doing, yeah. which is to stop the demons from taking out Aziraphale. Yeah. However, that's going to play out,
1: yes. and of course, to stop Aziraphale from being written out of the history books, effectively of yeah. the books of existence. So uh, I yeah, just
2: really, good. really, really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Uh, all of this episode yeah. so yeah 575th uh, of a legion out of five very good yeah i totally agree with you this is
1: a, a really good um episode uh again if your maths doesn't work yeah, work it's five out of five that you're giving it, um, it certainly <laughs> uh, is. yeah i do like that moment as well because you kind of need to have a moment where crowley finds out that uh aziraphale and he are together and everybody believes they are <laughs> because that's what everybody's been watching for the last two seasons, right? That these two characters getting together in their relationship and how strong a bond it is. Uh, you, that you called out one of my favorite lines in the episode with Aziraphale going, of course I have a plan, but him saving me makes sure that it makes him happy and keeps, yeah, him, exactly. keeps him satisfied. So they're both doing things.
2: And it makes Xerophel yeah. happy that he's and happy. He's happy. You know, exactly. So it's yeah. all, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really good. Um, but overall, yeah, this this episode has loads going on and a great performances in here, great comedy moments in here as well. So um, so really enjoyed The Ball as an episode overall. I'm really hoping um, it sticks the landing for the final episode of this season. And uh, yeah, I'm not expend- expecting the story to wrap up next week. That's what I'm going in f- with is it not wrapping up uh, at the end of this season? Um, Even though season one wrapped up with a nice neat little bow at the end of the first season, uh, I feel that we're not going to get the same neat little bow. We'd probably have had much more of Gabriel during the season if it was expected to wrap up next week. That's what I think. But again, we could have a whole episode starting out... um, telling us how Gabriel uh, got to the position he's in right now. So and filling in all the blanks. um, Be interesting to see how it goes next week. Good stuff.
2: Let's go on to a bit of feedback from our wonderful fellow acolytes. Indeed. Over on our Twitter account at TVPodIndustries, Roni says, Hi, Derek and John. I love your good omens takes. I always rewatch the episode afterwards and look out for the details you mentioned. I have a question about the phrase you address the listeners. I'm not a native speaker, Fellow accolades, what I kind of hear is surely not right. Thank you for your help with this. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much, Rony. And um, so I am saying, fellow acolytes, mm-hmm. uh, which are kind of followers of of Christ. So you know, an acolyte is someone who reveres their leader and so mm-hmm. on. Uh, I guess it's tied up with acolytes of jesus and, and and acolytes of the devil even so
1: well yeah yeah G- generally it would be in a religious ceremony they would be the servants that would help in the um in the ser- ceremony but they're more they they are tied devotees, into the belief system yeah. as well yes they're so devotees so they don't yeah. necessarily have to be religious so in no. this case we're saying um or you're saying that uh, the acolytes are acolytes of uh of good omens fans of good omens yes who- who love it loads so uh, so that's where it came from thanks so much ronnie for uh for getting contact with us and thanks to a couple of people over on over on twitter who got in contact with us loads of good omens fans who are re-watching this second season and are finally catching up on our podcast and seeing our yeah. podcast so great to get your thoughts and great to hear from you over there on twitter
2: good stuff thanks ronnie uh i hope we clarified for you hope so yeah
1: i hope so and keep on listening as well thanks so much Ronny. Yeah. We did say at the beginning of the season that um, we were going to call the feedback section uh, the you were wrong section. Yeah, um, based on, obviously, the first episode. Um, We (laughs) did get an email in from uh, Jules, uh, who sent a message through podcastica.com. Jules says, Hi, I'm from Belgium, and I have noticed a little mistake in your podcast. You referred to Lord Beelzebub as she, her, but throughout the series, it's clear they are a genderless being and use they, them pronouns. You'll see the finale. Just wanted to update you guys on this. Keep doing what you do love your podcast jules
2: thanks so much jules uh for that and for pointing out our mistake yes uh just didn't get it quite right there with uh lord beelzebub mm, but we're that, not
1: we're not watching ahead of course no, and you true. know it's really clear in the episodes that um that we probably should have been using they uh, then pronouns for uh for the yeah. character and for a number of other characters in the show you know they're very clear on that um themselves so uh we should have been clear on that just because to prove even two gay guys doing a podcast about, exactly. uh, about the show we can occasionally get the wrong pronouns but of course didn't mean to misgender anybody uh, in the show yes. itself
2: but thank you as well uh for following on with the podcast Absolutely. as well glad you're enjoying it yeah
1: so in your honor jules we will play the sound of this yes. episode
2: you were right you were right i was wrong you were right
1: and if anybody else catches all the other things that we do uh, that we do wrong uh, throughout the episode please email us into feedback feedback@tvpodcastindustry.com we will uh, we'd love to catch uh, some other things uh, that we said uh, incorrectly but of course as we've said we haven't seen the finale yet so uh, thanks for keeping the spoilers out of uh, of your uh, email jules as well
2: yeah thanks so much jules also we got an email in on episode 4 from Coffee and Vodka mm. uh, greetings fellow angel following defenders as usual all of the smooth we've come to expect although i must admit it's of becoming a bit befuddled by the minisode format keeps taking me back to the watchman tales of the black freighter mm. and trying to find some bearing on the contemporary storyline that may or may not be there i'm a bit unused to homework as part of the entertainment the callback to season one with the zombies was a nice touch and the miracle blocked bullet catch offered a nice bit of tension zero fails failed and successful sleight of hand was fun all in all another winner If a bit filler feeling this time around. Four undead underlings, miraculous Glock blockers, and pilfered picks out of five. Peace and take care. Coffin vodka. I love the miraculous Glock blockers.
1: That's very impressive. Yes. I might use that
2: phrase um <laughs> this weekend when we're in Manchester.
1: I like it. <laughs> I like it. Good stuff. Thanks thanks, Coffee Walk. I know you didn't get the chance to send in uh this before we put together our uh, our episode four feedback, but uh but thanks so much for sending that in. Um I know that episode did feel a bit out. It, it felt more mini sewed than um, then main content for the storyline but we knew these last two episodes as we mentioned in the podcast uh, the last two episodes don't have many yeah. they're focused on the main story so uh, so we're getting back there it did go off uh, into into the zombie storyline uh, much more but there were a few things i hope you called it on the podcast a few things uh that were that were in there that- Led to I guess the Aziraphale uh, Crowley relationship a bit more within the Minnesota, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Uh, thanks, Coffee vodka. Over on Facebook, Barbie Pomelas says episode five and the Job Minnesota are my favorite of the season. Can we say John Hamm is the VIP of the season so far? He is embracing his after Mad Men roles with a joy and energy like no other hashtag himbo era and is closing this episode vibe, vibing off of Elton John's Rocket Man. Oh, there's another reference. Yes, yeah, exactly. I, I feel like Elton John was vibing off Liberace when he did them. Um, that's probably because we're old enough to remember Liberace. Um,
2: well, I'm not really. You are. I'm not. You I would, would remember mainly Liberace. from... Well, I knew he was a pianist. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's mainly from the movie with Michael Douglas and... Um, Matt Damon. And Matt Damon, like, yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I would have known him anyway. Okay, I'm I'm one whole year older than you, John. So <laughs> I'm liking the idea
2: that John Hamm is a himbo.
1: So. <laughs> He's going through his himbo era I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, very serious in Mad Men, but I remember hearing a podcast with him a couple of years ago where he just came across as the funniest guy and yeah. uh, just a guy that you'd really like to hang out with. You know, he kind of fell into the Mad Men. Uh, trapping at at some point but it's not the one that's not the only type of character he wants to play and he seems to have stretched his wings quite a lot over the years uh, since doing madman which is great
2: yeah good stuff thanks bobby um also on episode five dr bob phillips says oh they are back this struck me just where episodes one to three did almost every minute had something else which tickled me perfectly loved the doctor who nerdery annual fairs, not in the looks of the lift mm. and the way the doors opened i'm pretty sure oh yes the yeah. fluency in everything but french nina's blunt observation of the romance of ages absolutely adored the knock at. we didn't learn the steps to this dance at the ball <laughs> the seamstress with miss chung's fan a well-made john ham and the well-deserved destruction of Mr. Clipboard. Ah, yes, very good. Yes, poor Mr. Brown. Poor Mr. Brown. May his clipboard live long in the memory <laughs> of the traders and shopkeepers of Wichba Street. Um, there you go. Well, Phillips continues, I'm now thinking we should be considering if the fly is the memory chip of the Archangel, but not sure we saw it this episode. Mm. I have the same kind of theory. Mm-hmm. Uh dr bob yeah Um. so let's see uh where it buzzes to i guess
1: absolutely we've got about 15 more minutes before we get to see the finale so yes. we will find out <laughs> good stuff thanks so much dr bob for your thoughts I, I love your catch on the uh on the uh the elevator or the lift uh um, yes. how the door is opened and that uh, kind of nodding to the tardis uh, from dr who i think uh, that's probably fairly likely as well
2: and it's also you <laughs> know you have now reached level earth or however it sort of came across on the the Lyft's uh, internal announcement.
1: Yes, it seemed very like Mind the Gap um, yes. from London Underground exactly. as well, didn't it? Yes, good stuff. Thanks, Dr. Bob.
2: Yeah, thanks, Dr. Bob.
1: Back on email from Coffee and Vodka, uh, we received his thoughts about episode 5. He says, Greetings fellow Wickborough Street Traders and Shopkeepers Association defenders. There's something about a show where no one performer makes it great, but every single character, even the bit players, like the demon doing the Monty Python routine at the pre evasion pep rally, helped make the episode as great. The bull bespelled traders, Nina and Maggie's initial bonding, unrecognized Jim, and an over-the-top shacks fronting at Legion of 99 demons all made for a bit of theatrical fun i do hope that the final episode clears up the overarching mysteries of gabriel's situation and his implied are prophecy as the only thing missing for the show thus far has been a solid plot five matchbox memories replace dysfunctional relationships and unsurrendered angles out of five peace and take care coffee and vodka you know, every time I read Angel or Angle, I'm trying to correct myself to the <laughs> opposite, know, know. Uh, whatever way it's written. Uh, good thoughts there, though, coffee and vodka. I, I particularly like um, your line that the only thing missing from this show so far has been a solid plot. And the fact that you've given almost every episode a five out of five um, throughout your, your feedback to us, because... It has been so much fun to watch. Yeah, As I said, we did make a comment more than anything else about, I wonder where this is going. I wonder what's happening with Gabriel because he'd been so absent other than an occasional minute here or a minute there in, in some episodes. But it's been so much fun spending time with this these characters uh, in this world with uh, with uh, how Gaiman and, and Finamore have written the episodes so far. But it is nice to have an episode that's a bit more focused on just the main plot here, and yep. hopefully the finale will do the same. Absolutely. Uh, believe it will. Believe it will.
2: Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, coffee and vodka. Uh, we also got some feedback through from Lara Willy Swink uh, over on Facebook. There you go. Derek and John, my daughter and I are finally on our Good Omens journey and are currently up to episode three. Even though we're not taking it week by week like you two are, she does want to save all six delicious episodes we have this season... So we're watching one episode each weeknight, but I do hope we'll have caught up by the time you get to the finale so that I can send in my final thoughts. I did, however, get through your episode three coverage and will say that I agree with you, Derek. As much as I love our favourite heavenly and hellish duo in Aziraphale and Crowley, I really miss a lot of the human drama we got in season one. I'd love to know how things are going four years on for the them. Anathema and Newton, and Madam Tracy, and Witchfinder Sergeant Shadwell. Their stories brought such humour and colour to the Good Omen's tapestry, and with only Nina and Maggie as our ongoing human characters, I really do feel that absence. I am, however, loving the very quirky British humour, and I'm getting strongly Monty Python and Life of Brian feels, especially in episode 2, with Gaiman's take on the Book of Job. I loved Aziraphale's confiscation of the Bentley and Crowley tripping balls on laudanum in 19th century Edinburgh. Also, did you catch Nessie in the animated scene when Aziraphale drives into Scotland? Because I missed it, but my eagle-eyed daughter pointed it out to me. (laughs) How did you miss Nessie, uh, Uh Lara? Uh, but yes, yes, he was.
1: He was surrounded by uh, by kilts, uh, kilts, representing the mountains um, of of Scotland as they <laughs> yes. entered. Yeah, very cool.
2: <laughs> Which, of course, is exactly what it's like when you uh, cross over into into Scotland. Yes,
1: isn't it, Lucy? I know you're listening, Lucy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and of course, there's, everyone is getting married as well at the border, or as the tale goes, can't remember the name of the town now, but uh, there's a famous place where people would go and get married. Right on the border of Scotland.
1: Oh, very cool. Very cool. Good stuff. Uh, thanks so much for your thoughts, Lara. I can't wait for you to finish off the season as well. I know you're. I know you're enjoying it like ourselves as well. Um, yeah, I just. I, I don't know. I, I said it back in episode three. I'm not going to repeat myself, but um, you're right. There is just that missing element of the uh, of the them. There's such a central uh, set of characters in the novel. Of course, you can't have Adam back. Their story is all ended at the end of the uh, at the end of the first book. But it would be nice to have a little reference to them or to Just see them in this season,
2: wouldn't it? Yeah. No, I, I think so. I, I do agree, in some sense, mm. it would be nice to know what that group are doing. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. And you never know, maybe somewhere they'll pop up at some point. In that last episode, maybe. Possibly. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I'm not expecting yeah. it, but maybe if we get a season three, they might pop up in that.
1: I guess at the end of season one, they did all get a happily ever after. So kind of difficult to unroll their happily ever after, isn't it? So um that's probably why they haven't revisited them. But it'd be nice to see them. Yes,
2: definitely. Good stuff. And
1: also, it'd be lovely to hear uh, your final thoughts. We have one more episode to go, of course, uh, as we said, Lara. So hopefully we'll hear your thoughts uh, next week
2: then. Definitely. Thanks so much, Lara. Thanks, Lara. And thanks to your daughter as well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Glad she's enjoying it. Exactly, exactly. We have one last bit of feedback
1: in from another listener who's caught up to us. Anwen from New Zealand, has left us a voicemail with her thoughts uh, up to Season 2, Episode 5.
0: Hi, Derek and John. I did it. I caught up. Yay! It's so good. I love the show so much. and Episode 5 was fantastic. I really love the penultimate episode of most shows, um, the excitement and the setup for the finale. So, I can't wait to see what happens next week. Uh, one of the great things about never having seen Good Omens but uh, watching it really recently was that we were able to just go straight from season one into season two without a break. So, we pretty much watched all two seasons over the last kind of three weeks. So much fun. You definitely notice the difference between the first and the second season, Um, lots of great characters that are the same but one thing that I did find a little bit confusing was characters from the first season coming back or actors coming back as different characters as much as I adore Miranda Richardson going all the way back to Queenie and Blackadder. I was confused when she showed up as a different character and I thought hang on wait is she the same character from season one but she's now turned evil and it's taken me a while to kind of get used to it but I do love her character and she's she's just really funny to watch um love the Jane Austen theme I love Jane Austen I read all the books I've seen all the adaptations and when uh, two worlds collide I just love it so much um it's like Pride and Prejudice and zombies, and the way they're all talking to each other and dancing um, and having those little discussions is really cute to watch. I do think Aziraphale is a little different this season. I felt like he was very sort of proper in the first season, and in this season he's a little bit more. I mean, he's still very proper, so I don't want to say flirty, but he's kind of a little bit more coy um, and. I really like seeing um, the relationship um, pan out with him and Crowley. Oh, what else? It's just so good. I'm really enjoying it, and I'm loving uh, the podcast as well. Can't wait to see the finale next week with everybody. And thanks so much for all that you do. Bye. Yeah, thanks, Olwen. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I I think it had been so long ago I hadn't really spotted the actors coming from uh, and changing characters from season one to Mm -hmm. season two, apart from Miranda Richardson, because like you, um, I absolutely think she's fantastic. Um, And again, sort of finding Miranda Richardson as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old watching Mm -hmm. through the Black Adders uh, (laughs) and going back to Black Adder 2 was was great. She's just fantastic as Queenie. Uh, coupled with the sidekick, Nursey, um, mm-hmm. is just so, so good. Absolutely. Uh, but I- so really glad you're enjoying her. Uh, in this because I, I, I thought this was her episode actually without a doubt it was yeah. really really without good without a doubt
1: episode 5 is fantastic but I love the idea that everyone came in wondering whether uh, Madame Tracy had become a demon from hell <laughs> because <laughs> I, I totally get it like I, I, you know you're literally going from episode 6 where if she has her final moment uh, with the Witchfinder General and they get together and then uh, the start of, of episode 1 of season 2 there she is sitting beside Crowley same actress you know so um, so yeah did she go evil but uh, no explanation given of course, uh, other than if she's just playing another role, just yeah, like uh, just like Lynn so. and Maggie are playing uh, new roles in this season as well. Uh, but really great to hear your thoughts on and I'm glad you're enjoying it as much as we are. It's, it's just been such a fun uh, show this season. I wonder if Azir Fels is just a little bit more coy because maybe he's realized his love for Crowley a bit more in this season. Um, than he had, had seen in the last season. You know, we as fans watching the show, l- l- I know the big reason we use ineffable fiancés in this episode is because fans watching the first season sold them as the ineffable husbands. So now in this season that's b- b- been brought much more to the front. I know yeah. um, Neil Gaiman always found it very uh, very funny that people didn't see that in the books as much as they're seeing it within the show. Uh, he always intended that there was that relationship between the two of them. So, uh, so per- perhaps they're kind of highlighting a bit more that he's a Bit more coy around Crowley uh, than he was in the first season. Maybe that's what's coming through.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just—I think he's just pulling it through, and I think it's the development as well yeah. um, of their relationship. And I, I think this is—it's one of the main thrusts of this season—is seeing that relationship over time. Mm-hmm. You know, like with the the episodes uh, with Job and, and seeing how they've both influenced. Uh, and affected each other exactly. um, into the different uh, shades of grey. Mm-hmm. Like grey and slightly darker grey. Yes, yes, absolutely. exactly.
1: Good stuff. Great to hear from you, Armin. Hopefully you'll get, uh, get to hear your thoughts at the end of Season 2 of Good Omens as well.
2: Yes, good stuff. Thanks, Armin. Keep those comments coming in for the final chapter chapter six of Mm. good omens season two entitled every day which we will be back with next time yes
1: we'll be back next week with the final episode thanks so much for joining us
2: yes please remember that you can subscribe on any godly or devilish podcast player over at tvpodcastindustries.com we are of course over on patreon.com forward slash TV Podcast Industries or BuyMeACoffee.com forward slash TVPI, and of course you can also share the podcast as well because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing, sharing the, the love. love.
1: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Speaking of sharing the love, um thanks so much to those of you who've, uh, who've commented on us calling out uh, that we're um, we are ineffable fiancés uh, well, uh, on the show. Uh, we don't have a date for the wedding because <laughs> uh, I did get a couple of people who asked that question. Uh, we have been engaged for nine years though yes And am john
2: it's the ineffable eternal um <laughs> engagement
1: yes if crowley and uh, aziraphale can be uh, together uh, from before the beginning uh we can eventually <laughs> get married at some point in the future right yes
2: <laughs> we need to jot it into the diary we do and stop spending money on other stuff it will not be billions <laughs> of years
1: <laughs> before we get married i promise you that <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to say a huge thank you once again to Jason Gavassi and Podcastica.com. Check that out for other podcasts such as the White Lotus podcast, which has been lots and lots of fun. Uh, their coverage of that season. <laughs> There's the theme, yeah, pretty much. That's the theme of the podcast too. Um, it's pretty, pretty good. John didn't do it. That was Randy that did the uh, that version. Just in case. Um, oh yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, do it. he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Uh, but you can also check out uh their White Lotus podcast over on podcastica.com or check out Run for Your Lives with Daphne and Pike, uh, which covers movies that would make you run for your life. Uh, last week as we're recording, they uh, they recorded their thoughts on Bird Box Barcelona, which I haven't actually seen yet. It's the sequel to uh, the Sandra Bullock starring Bird Box uh, on yes. Netflix. Yeah. yeah,
2: no, I haven't seen that either. Um, three Bs, though. Very good.
1: Bird Box Barcelona, yeah. Yes, I guess they're going to Brazil next and then to Berlin and to Brussels, maybe.
2: Brussels, yeah. Birmingham.
1: Birmingham, Birmingham, Bird Box, Birmingham. There's one I want to see, definitely.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> good stuff. But you can check all that out over on podcastica.com. We will be back next week, as John mentioned, with the finale of Good Omens Season 2. Yes. We will see you then.
2: Yes, thank you so much, fellow Acolytes, for joining us for Chapter 5 of Good Omens. Until the finale next week, Mm -hmm. remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep praying. And, of course, the apocalypse is coming. So grab your hard hat, Christina Christina Jones. Jones.